The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is warm enough to melt even the most significant snowfall, Josh Borboni. How are you this evening? I am warm. My house is very warm today. <laughs> uh, so yes, I could melt. Well... No, we talked about it. It's going to be like 50 degrees here Wednesday. The world is a crazy place. But I was talking to my dad and I was like, there's no way it melts all this snow, right? <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I didn't think so. I remember when I lived still like up like in Fargo and well, I wasn't in Fargo at this time, but uh, there was a huge blizzard in 97 yeah. And um we were, when I first moved up there then which would have been like 2005, 2006 or like right in that ballpark. Uh I was working and we had gotten quite a bit of snow that year too. And uh someone was I was working with was telling me about how when the blizzard happened in 97 that they had snow like cuz you know there's only so many places the snow can go that they just had this like a mountain of snow in their parking lot. And that the mountain of snow stayed in their parking lot until June <laughs> because it just took that long yeah. to get warm enough to like melt out through all of that. Uh, but yeah, Josh, you got a, you got a whole bunch of snow, eh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of snow. Nor'easter turned blizzard slash blizzard warning, depending on what part of the state you were in. Uh, I feel worse for people in Boston or in Cape Cod who can't handle the amount of snow that came in. They just don't have I- space. Okay, so this is going to show my my lack of knowledge. Yeah. About, but when you tell me you, you, you when you say you feel bad for people on Cape Cod, immediately in my heart I go, really? Yeah, yeah. There's because like one main road. Per- <laughs> I was like, my perception of Cape Cod is that it's very affluent. Maybe that's not accurate. No, I mean, if it snows three inches on the Cape, it shuts the Cape down. It's, okay. They got fifteen inches. Yeah. They it's you you can't you won't be able to drive anywhere for a week okay and it's all old people who can't get out of their houses okay see these are the things i don't know that's what i'm asking like i don't (laughs) my perception is like i said just from like yeah media is that that everyone who lives on cape cod is very wealthy so oh no that's not that's not true that's not true there's a lot of um uh middle class people on the cape okay then Uh, okay that is my perception (laughs) i used to be one of them (laughs) Okay, yeah, so. a lot of old people, so they they kind of they they can have some tough times ahead. Gotcha. Well, that is unfortunate. Then I hope that they're able to to manage that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. They live there too. They know this. They know what they signed up for. Yeah, that's true. You know, I guess you can't be too surprised in New England with weather. I mean, you can be surprised, but you have to know that you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I do. I feel like that's changing a little bit. Weather does seem different than when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, it's it was nine degrees today. It's going to be fifty degrees Wednesday. That is unheard of here. 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. And everyone's going to be February. sick because of this weather change. Yes. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> that is true. So, well, we it was just a little chilly here. And by a little chilly, I mean, we've been in the teens and that's about it. So yeah. I can't complain. <laughs> Though we do have snow coverage. Like our all my grass is covered in snow. I have like knee high snow banks you know, yeah. on the edges of my driveway. So we have a little bit of snow here, but, yeah. um, and those obviously <laughs> snow banks are from me removing the snow from my driveway over and over. So we're not, we don't actually have that much snow. Right. But, yeah. I, I'm cool if it just stays like this for the rest of winter and then decides to melt. Like I'm cool if that's just how much we have. Yeah. I'm okay. If we are uh, done with snow for now. <laughs> I mean, come on, Josh, don't you want another two feet again? No, not even ever. <laughs> like I'm good for the rest of my life. If no more blizzards here. <laughs> Yeah, but the one cool thing about blizzards, I will say, though, is having experienced a number of them in my day, I think we all have, like, oh, remember the blizzard of XYZ? Like, I think everyone, like, has. Well, yeah, stories. when you said yours, we had the blizzard of 96. That's our our big one. Oh, our I mean, our big one when I was a kid was the blizzard of 91, but, yeah. Oh, weird. I wonder, sorry for the clicky clacks. Blizzard of 78 was our biggest one, but I was not around for that one. Well, <laughs> you were just a, a sparkle in someone's mind. But I hear stories about it. That was the storm where um, people's cars had to be abandoned on the highway. But yeah. Um, that doesn't sound ideal at all. No. 48 inches of snow. Whew, that's a lot of snow. 154 fatalities. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 96 was a rough year for people. Blizzard-wise. <laughs> Dang, yeah. No, I I think for, yeah, like I said, it was the Halloween blizzard in 1991. That's the oh, one. Oh, Halloween that, uh, blizzard. It huh? was on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. It happened on October 31st. Um, wow. Yeah. It was pretty ridiculous. It was a it was a good, um, it, yeah, it was a lot of snow. I very distinctly remember uh, we, I left my friend's house. I'd spent the night, we went trick-or-treating and I spent the night at my friend's house across the street and I went to go walk home the next morning and like I got out of their place and it was just straight from like their top step. The snow was just like straight. <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> like what? Cause it was like around 30 some inches that was gotten. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, and then we got another blizzard on Thanksgiving that year. So, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. But anyway, Hey Josh, that's not our pregame topic. Our pregame topic, um, this week is actually, Josh, is there something you can think of that you used to really enjoy? Maybe as a kid, something that you were really passionate about, really excited about, that you just aren't interested in anymore? And let me give you the premise to where this came from. Yeah. When I was a kid, Josh, one of my favorite things to watch was wrestling. I loved <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. Like in the 80s, like it was just the thing that like every time it was on, I watched it. I had like all of the wrestling toys. Like I was so, so into wrestling. Eventually, I kind of transitioned away and, and wrestling just wasn't so much my thing anymore. When I was in college, to give you an idea of how old I am, especially, this is when like wrestling seemed to like have its like resurgence of getting really yeah. big. Like I feel like Same. in the 90s, wrestling died down a decent bit. But then the late 90s, the early thousands, like wrestling got really big again. All of my friends in college were super into wrestling. I just never could get back into it. Well, last night, though we're recording on Sunday, so Saturday night, uh, the WWE Royal Rumble 2022 was happening, and I'm seeing everything on my timeline on Same. social media is all about <laughs> this. And it's on Peacock. I'm like, well, I have Peacock. 
I haven't watched wrestling in probably 20 years or more. <laughs> Let's turn on the Royal Rumble and see how this goes. Josh, literally, I, I sat there and I watched it. And I, I just said to myself over and over again, is this really what people are excited about? Like, this is really the thing that they love. Because I don't know that I've seen anything. Like, it, it was really bad. To me, it was very bad. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to, like, yuck someone else's yum. So if you love it, that's great. What a phrase. But I, what is that? <laughs> what? What is that phrase? <laughs> oh, you've never heard that? To yuck someone's yum? <laughs> that sounded so weird to my ears. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just like, you know, pooping on something that somebody else enjoys. Like, I don't, if okay. you like it, that's great. But I was just really taking it back. And I don't know what I was expecting necessarily. Yeah. But I, I just was like, okay, wrestling just clearly isn't for me anymore. And hasn't sure. obviously been for a long time, but it's like, hey, people seem really excited about all this wrestling stuff. And every time the big events happen, there's like it's all the talk on social media. So I thought, hey, I'm going to give this a try again. And it just it just isn't for me. And I think one of the reasons that I can easily say it's not for me is I know I know that wrestling when I say this, I don't mean it the way it sounds. I know that wrestling is fake in the sense that like the storylines are contrived, like of who's going to win. Right. Not yeah. saying that does not take intense physical effort and that they're not they're not athletes. I'm not saying that at all. I think they truly, truly are. But the thing that bothered me is I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for a number of years. So when I see them being like, oh, this person's in a sleeper hold and they're so they're throwing on a rear naked choke and it's not even close to right. right. And they're like, oh, they're almost going out. I'm like, no, they're not. It's not even remotely close for them to go out. Like, that's not like I could do a better job than that. Like, come on. While you're watching and, wrestling wrong, I hate to tell you that. <laughs> I know I am. I know I am. But like, and maybe it's because I'm not bought into the storylines because I haven't been watching for a long time. But I just couldn't. Like, I was like, hey, I am giving this a chance. Yeah. Pull me in. And it, it, they just couldn't. It just didn't work. So <laughs> I think clearly wrestling is not something I think that, you know, I, I am meant for anymore. And that's something as a kid. Yeah. If you would have told like six year old me that when you get older, you're just not going to even care that wrestling exists. Yeah. I would have been shocked. Like I could not have seen that being true. So is there anything in your life, Josh, that you used to like love, be super passionate about, and now you're just like really just indifferent to it? And I can't use snow days as an example. <laughs> I don't think you can use snow days. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. I used to rollerblade a lot. I definitely can't do that. That's not necessarily something that I'm not interested in. Um, and, I, and I want to say an important clarifier. Like, yeah. There are many activities that I used to do that I can't do anymore, but sure. I still really am interested in them. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. that to me doesn't count. It's just things that I used to love that I just have zero interest in in any way, shape, or form anymore. I don't know. There has to be something. Um, but I'm struggling to think. Like I definitely was into um, comic books as a kid, and I did mm -hmm. have – and wrestling. Um, and I did have – uh, a time where I didn't like either of those. Uh, I haven't gotten back into wrestling, uh, I, but I'm I'm reading comics again, so that doesn't. I don't know that that counts. But I mean, there's like a key. There's like a defining moment in wrestling when you're a kid. Is when the illusion's gone, and then you then you just like decide. Yep. Do you still like it, or has it been ruined? And I remember, my dad took me to um, Survivor Series at the Worcester Centrum or the DCU Center now, and he brought binoculars. And there was a fight between um, Big Boss Man and Sergeant Slaughter, I think. Yeah. And he handed me the binoculars, and I saw every phantom punch 
<laughs> and I couldn't believe what I saw. I was genuinely like ruined. Yeah. And I was like, he's not hitting him, but he's acting like he's getting hit. And then I had to get that talk like the Santa talk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Um, so I could. I mean, I could use wrestling. I saw people going crazy about Royal Rumble. And for me, at least on Twitter, everything that I see about wrestling nowadays is just people complaining about it. And I don't know if that's just the state of the internet. Um, But I never see positive WWE tweets anymore. It's everyone is always complaining on Twitter about it. Um, I'm really just struggling to think of something that I used to love that I no longer. Well, you know what? I guess I can use loosely. I can use baseball as an example. I still like baseball, but I don't enjoy watching it unless it's live anymore. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't know if it's just because uh, once the Red Sox won, I was kind of like satiated, and I was like, I don't need baseball anymore, <laughs> or uh, or if it's just the fact that uh, I don't know that it respects my time to the degree of I have more respect for my time now. Okay, where baseball games are way too long and they're boring. To a degree, there's definitely. I, I'm not trying to diminish people's feelings on baseball either. I know that there's things to be excited about, but I'm not stat tracking. I'm not playing fantasy baseball. Um, I I do still love going to a ballpark and watching a game, but I used to watch it all the time on TV. Right. Um, and that's almost like that's like half a day <laughs> when you're yeah. a kid. Like yeah. that's half your. Well, and now it's like half, more, more like half a day. Um, but also that kind of went away with cable. When I got rid of cable, I didn't really have access to live baseball. Yeah. Um, I think it's getting easier now, but I still don't have a way to watch local Red Sox games on even any of the streaming services I use. So it just makes it harder to watch it also. Yeah. I will say that is a good one too. I do watch far less live sports than I ever used to because my my to this day my mom still like never misses a twins game never misses a Vikings really? game like oh yeah every nice. every time always on uh, and when I was a kid growing up like never missed a twins game like they were on and I was always watching them and uh, that's definitely true as far as that goes I do think that baseball I, I always struggle with the idea of it being boring just because if you are really into baseball and the minutia of the game yeah it is exciting but I because agree. I think. I think anything then that you're not like into that way can be boring, right? Like football, like if you think about how many minutes of actual like play time happens in the NFL during a three hour game, there's like less than 10 minutes of actual action happening during right. that entire three hours. But most people wouldn't call football boring. Correct. You know, so I, I think it just kind of matters like what part of the game is exciting to you and, and what kind of draws you in about it. So, but no, baseball is definitely a good one too. So. I'm sure there's something I'm not thinking of, but yeah. Well, if you think about it throughout the episode, feel free to update (laughs) us. But uh, listeners, if you have something that maybe that you used to really be into and just kind of have moved on from, let us know. We'd love to kind of hear, uh, you know, what are those things that used to, you know, you held dear in your heart and maybe they just don't have the space in there anymore. (laughs) So with that, we're going to move on. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions or suggested topics, hit us up at board with VG on Twitter. Or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also bored with VG. 
We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games podcast family, and we would encourage you to check out all of the shows like the PSVG podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP, and Dollar Cinema. You never know when a new show might pop up, so be sure to stay tuned to all your favorite PSVG podcasts. Stay up to date. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. And with that, a brief note, Josh, I think this is interesting. Um, you know how the Dice Tower currently is doing their top 100 games of all time? Yes. Uh, they're doing the YouTube videos that are like 90 minutes for each like 10. Yeah. Uh, the partner and I are watching those while we eat dinner. <laughs> so we are so we are on uh, 40 to 31 right now. So we've watched 100 all uh-huh. the way down to this. So I'm pretty impressed with us, actually, that we've been watching it. And we're actually getting a pretty solid list of games that were like, I totally forgot about that game. Or, oh, yeah, that was a game I really wanted to play. Uh, you know, so I'm sure our collection will grow as a result. But hey, that's also available, <laughs> listener, if you want to check that out. So with nice. that transition, Josh, what have you been playing, sir? Okay, well, I'm still playing Disco Elysium. I'm still enjoying that. Um, uh, I just need to make more time for it. Uh, 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 I picked up Tekken 7 because I did find it on sale again. Um, it's not the whole big thing, but it's, uh, it is uh, the base game and 13 DLC characters for... It's like 20 bucks on Xbox. That's a lot of characters. Yeah. So I started playing that. Um, just have to, you know what really threw me for a loop? 3D fighter. I'm like, whoa, I was pl- fighting someone and they moved sideways. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't played <laughs> a fighting game in ages where you had a 3D arena. Yeah. And that totally messed up my whole fight style. Cause now I'm like trying to figure out if I should be. <laughs> going up or down or straight <laughs> like which so uh it's interesting they really made a big deal of akuma in this one which i thought was weird um he's like a big bat he's like a big like part of the story now which i thought was oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah so i just did an arcade playthrough with akuma just to kind of get used to him and uh i'm gonna need some retraining on tekken so i'm excited to try the campaign mode and do some training, but um, it looks good. Control's good. I'll say, I know there's a lot of deep love for Tekken. I just never was into it. And when I played a 3d fighter, like at the time, like I played Virtua fighter. Yeah. yeah. That was the one I played yep. uh, in the arcades. I never really played Tekken. So this is a, a fighting game though. I'm not super into fighting games in general. I really wish I was. Uh, this is one that I just really have no connection to in any way, shape or form. So, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I and uh, to that extent, I had been feeling like I had been missing Tekken because I hadn't played it in probably since Tekken Four. Dang. Okay. Um, so it's been a it's been a bit since I revisited Tekken, and um, I enjoyed it. I only played a little bit, but I plan to play a bunch more. Um, what should I say? Okay, I started Uncharted Four from the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. I put it on 120 FPS mm-hmm. and yeah, it looks great. It plays great. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Um, I mean, I have already played Uncharted 4. So, uh, and in fact, I remembered quite a bit uh, about it. So I wasn't really like feeling like I was playing a new game, which obviously I wasn't, but I haven't played, 
I've never played the other one. Um, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. I haven't played that, so I might I might fire that up and give that a shot. Lost but Legacy yeah, no, is really good. That's what I hear. I hear it's good. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll jump into that. But uh, yeah, I'm, so far, uh, plays great. Looks great. I love the story still. So I'll probably still play some more. I just don't like. We're getting close to crunch time. Yeah, we're on are. game releases. So I was I was going to ask, are you planning to finish Uncharted Four then, or are you just going to play it until other stuff comes out? I don't know that I'm, I'm not intentionally planning or unplan not, or not planning on finishing it. I'm just going to take it, see where it goes as it goes. And if I uh, decide, if I end up playing a couple hours every night, I'll probably finish it. How how far are you? Oh, oh I don't know. I uh, I don't like even remember what chapter you're in. No, chapter three. Oh, not okay. too far. Okay. I didn't put too yeah. much time into it. Three just, or four. Yeah, I think I just got into chapter seven. I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm still early on um after just after prison oh okay yep so four i think uh three or four anyways uh and then yeah uh finally (laughs) not only has this game taken up most of my playing time but it's also taken up a lot of my watching time if that makes sense okay my wife played this game for eight hours yesterday (laughs) cool cool because we couldn't go anywhere and i watched it (laughs) uh i'm playing pokemon Arceus? 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 I know. It's like the running joke on the internet. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, It's my first actual time playing a Pokemon game. Uh, I don't include Pokemon Go. I've never... I I played Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, the co-op thing, for like Mm -hmm. 20 minutes when my wife was playing. So I've never actually played a actual Pokemon game. I never played Red, Green, Blue, Diamond, Pearl, whatever. Any of those. So, uh, yeah. I, what do I say about this game? First of all, I don't, I don't understand. I'm going to keep going back to the internet, Kyle. I don't understand. I'll, I guess maybe now that I'm playing a Pokemon game, I'm seeing this toxic Pokemon fan base. Okay. But the amount of dogpiling that it's getting for not looking good and not having fully voiced characters, I'm like, this game looks great. <laughs> it's on the Switch. What do you expect? It has it has Breath of the Wild graphics. I'm not saying it looks like a next-gen game. I'm not saying that. But it looks okay. great. It okay. looks great. I love the art style. Um, I have literally... Maybe I'm the problem. I have literally no issues with the graphics at all. <laughs> uh, I think it looks great. And the controls, good. Uh, and I don't mind the non-voice acting because really what this is and i know that i'm talking about this as a person who's never played a pokemon game uh but it's like just it's just a traditional jrpg in an open world and i did not expect that i you know i I didn't know what to expect but my perception of the other pokemon games were more like um maybe like a link to the past kind of zelda games where it's a lot of going through towns and top down and like light RPG elements, but or action RPG. I just this feels so much closer to like um, a Xenoblade or or a Dragon Quest, like as far as like storyline and stuff goes. Uh, so it surprised me, uh, but I'm really enjoying my time with it. Uh, I'm trying to learn and figure out the whole. Pokemon management system, which okay. seems like it's a daunting task. 
Because now I have all these things I caught, and I'm like, am I supposed to release them? Because I have so many that I'm never going to touch. Is there a different <laughs> thing I can do with them to make them more valuable to me? Uh, so I still haven't figured out all that small stuff yet. But uh, I like the story. I think it's interesting. I like the fact that it's basically a prequel, so I don't have to have any like previous Pokemon knowledge necessarily. Um I like the evolution system. I like the, um, what are they called? Not angry. Alpha Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I caught my first one today. My first one I ever ran into, I caught in battle. Oh, nice work. Yeah. My wife was upset because she couldn't catch it, catch it when she tried yesterday. Gotcha. <laughs> so I felt accomplished there. Um, so real quick, are the two of you playing like on the same save? No, we each have a copy. I got her her own copy. Okay, gotcha. So how many hours have you played it for? Uh, four. Okay. Not so much. I, I didn't have like just too much snow removal. I didn't really have any time to play since I got it. I had to work and then snow and snow, snow, snow. Um, so yeah, but what I played so far, really enjoying it. Um, I'm doing all the side quests. I know that you don't have to, but I'm pretty much doing as much as I can. That's really where like the tough stuff comes in where they're like almost every other person you talk to with the side quest is like, I need you to bring me like when you get, when you catch Pokemon, you have this, I'm going to sound like an idiot talking about Pokemon, not understanding it. You have uh, (laughs) this Pokedex that they're in. And in this game uh, to complete their Pokedex, you have to complete a certain amount of, um, uh, I don't know if you call them challenges, but like check markable things that you need to do, like catch one when it's not looking or uh, battle one, battle a certain amount of time. And a lot of these side quests are like, you have to max out. I want to learn about a bird and you have to max out its Pokedex and then bring it back to me. You can't just catch one and then come and show it to me. So then not all of them are very easy to max out. In fact, like I have like an Eevee that like, I have to figure out how to evolve. I'm like, what does that mean? Figure out how to evolve it? <laughs> so there's a lot. I think it's it makes it more interesting because every time I catch one, I'm curious like what um, I need to do to learn more about this one and evolve it. And, and the evolving process is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it it's fun. It looks cool. Uh, and I'm enjoying it so far. And that's all, all right. I've been playing. Gotcha. Well, Josh. Well, I'll just continue on there because I also am playing Pokemon Arc Legend. I saw Legend, it pop Arceus. up when I was playing today. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this is also my first Pokemon game ever, that I have ever played. Uh, so I have, you know, I played like a little bit of Pokemon Go, but that's like it. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I was like, well, you know, I, I know this isn't obviously the traditional mainline Pokemon, uh, but I was like, we'll give it a shot. Everyone's talking about this when I talk about game series that I have a blind spot for. This is definitely one of them. So I said, hey. Mm. You know, this seems like it, it, you know, got reviewed decently well. Let's give it a whirl. Um, I don't think I'm going to say, I don't think I'm dogpiling, but I will say, Josh, <laughs> for a triple A game, I don't think the game looks maybe as good as it could. Is Game Freak a triple A studio? Are you telling me Pokemon is not a triple A franchise? Oh, yeah, but Game Freak is making it. Yeah. Like they make all the other Pokemons. Do they make all the other ones? Yeah, they're the studio. Oh, okay. I thought Nintendo was making those ones. Well, Nintendo, I mean, in conjunction with Game Freak, Game Freak oh, okay. Is who okay. makes them. So, like, that's my big thing is like, you know, for 
the cachet that Pokemon has, it yeah. seems like the production value should be off the charts, right? Like this is one of the most well-known franchise franchises globally, period. Yeah. So that's for me where I'm like, ah, I feel like maybe they could put a little extra oomph into what's happening there. Okay. But I also recognize that they make a lot of games. Like they're churning games out very, very regularly there. So I don't want to be too harsh on it. But I do think that, you know, if if Xbox or PlayStation released AAA titles that looked similarly to this game, I think people would be upset. Now, I understand the the hardware is less, has less power, but there are still really, really look good looking games on the Switch. And I wouldn't say that this is a really, really good looking game. I think it looks fine. Like, I don't think it's bad. <laughs> it must be crazy. I don't because I, I think it's fine. I think it looks really good. <laughs> I, I must be crazy. Are you playing it person. handheld or are you playing it on television? I've done both. Okay. Do you have an OLED? Yeah, but I've played it on the TV also. Oh, I know, but you have like an OLED, but yeah. I think it, I, it must just I, be me. It's I fine. Think it's I think your OLED is, is, is tricking you. I think it's what's happening. That OLED switch yeah. is tricking you to sure. make you think it looks better. And like I said, it doesn't look bad. I'm just saying for what is ostensibly the like one of the largest franchises in the world, I just would expect a bit more production on it. Sure. That's and your, your comment compared to the internet is very tame. <laughs> I, right. And like I said, I still think it looks fine. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that was is what I would say. Uh, I don't, I'm only probably two hours in maybe. Sure. I, I just got my first star. Like that's how okay, far yeah. I, yeah. yeah, like that's how far I am. So I don't really totally know what I'm doing yet. Um, I, I have some Pokemon that I think are pretty cool. I picked a starter and I'm like, I don't know how to determine which one to pick. This one looks kind of sad all the time and I want to hug it. So I'll take that <laughs> one, I guess. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know We're we're going, we're trucking along and we're having a good time. I will say, I don't think this game starts particularly strong. Uh, I, I do think that, the onboarding of it yeah. is very like um, non-exciting. It's giving you all the information you need, but yeah. for me, it wasn't like super, super engaging. Uh, but since I got to the point where I was able to go out into the world and kind of run around and do that stuff, that part I really enjoyed. That sure. was great. So I think it's going to continue to get better would be my assumption that I'm probably going to get to go run around and do things like that more. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, I'm actually having a pretty good time with it. I, I plan to sit down and continue to play it. Um, I was contemplating whether or not I was going to get Dying Light 2. Hmm. And then I thought about, <laughs> well, I just picked up this Pokemon game. I'm currently playing Uncharted. Um, Sifu comes out like two days after because we have early access to it because of, of pre-ordering hmm. it. So it comes out like the 6th. Horizon's like a week after that. I was like... I think I'm good. Like, I don't think that I need to um, jump into uh, another open world game because I kind of wanted to. Like, I really kind of wanted to play. Well, it'll uh, still be Light around 2. in April when, you, have, when you need something to play. <laughs> half price. Yeah, it'll probably be half price. Um, so, yeah. So, playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, probably definitely talk about that more. But so far, enjoying it as my first Pokemon game. Uh, I did finish the story in Far Cry 6. Nice. So that is complete. And actually, it was really excellent timing because I finished it Thursday night. Um, so it was oh. <laughs> actually perfect timing um, as far as getting that done. Uh, so rolled credits in that. I will say those credits, Josh, go on forever. <laughs> I think every person who's ever worked on a video game ever worked on Far Cry 6. My <laughs> goodness gracious. Uh, those were really, really long credits. Um, and then they give you a little Easter egg at the end of it, which was there nice, I guess. So I guess it was worth it for like the six lines of dialogue you get at the end of the credits. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, and they actually do kind of a cool thing of once, and maybe they did this in five, and I just didn't even know because I never went back to it. Uh, but once you load back into the world, uh, they basically have there's like weekly objectives that come up, and different parts of the map get overtaken, and then you have to work to help like retake that part of the map back. And when you do, you get rewards for it. So you get like different weapons and 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 all that kind of good stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. Like there's this incentive to go in and continue to play uh, yeah. once the story is done. In addition to just like trophy hunting or whatever else you might want to do, uh, there's a reason to go back in and continue to play. And, and things are like changed and updated, and it's like a limited time weekly thing that there's a new thing that happens each week. Nice. So I thought that was pretty cool. But I don't know that I'm going to go back. We'll see. Maybe I will. Right. I don't anticipate that I'm going to though. Did you ever finish? You never finished Far Cry Six, did you? No, I actually uninstalled it off my Xbox today. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so it's now <laughs> I can talk about how much you hate Far Cry Six, just like you talk about me hating Far Cry Five, right? Well, you said you hate Far Cry Five, and no, I never I said never I hate said Far Cry Six. <laughs> I never said I hated. We're gonna have to find that episode. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm the only one who has finished both of them, so. I think there's probably millions of people who have finished both of them. <laughs> Hundreds the of thousands at least. <laughs> I'm the only person on this podcast who has finished both yeah, of them. There you go. So we'll go with that. Uh, so I have also been playing uh, the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. Jump back into Uncharted 4. Josh, uh, I really forgot how much I love Uncharted. Like mm. I always talk about loving Uncharted and it's one of my favorite series. And I know there are things that are wonky about it. I know that it's not perfect, but I love the characters. I love the characters so, so, so much. And especially um, Uncharted 4 just deals with things that you don't see people deal with in video games. It's like, I'm married, and how am I going to, like, go through this awkward situation with my wife? And maybe I'm not going to be totally honest to her all the time. And what are the ramifications of that? And how do I, like, you know... family that is like blood versus family that is like found and like all of those things that just you don't really see in games and with characters who are really endearing and lovable and like you build a connection with and i just oh but playing this game again is like slipping into like a little warm bath with a nice little candle some nice music just just oh love it love 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 uncharted so darn much um so i'll keep plucking away through here i don't get to play it in the fancy 120 frames per second mode mm. Um, but playing it at 60 frames sure is pretty buttery, buttery smooth. Um, so really enjoying my time there, hoping to be able to get through both of them uh, before Horizon, knowing that Sifu is also in there and I'm playing Pokemon. Hmm. So we'll see. Plus, then, uh, you know, this game that you gave me to play, Tainted Grail. Yeah. Uh, so this was my homework from two weeks ago. Josh told me I had to play Tainted Grail, uh, which is on Game Pass on PC currently. Uh, Tainted Grail is a, I mean, it is a, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of becoming like a common genre now, a like deck building yeah. roguelite. Like <laughs> yeah. there's so many of these, but this one is a little bit different in that you have a character that you're guiding around a map um, and that gets into kind of almost like Diablo style. But then you, when you get into battles, it is uh, card based battles. And one thing I appreciate that is that they give you, for the most part, all the information you need to be successful in your battles because they tell you exactly what your opponent is intending to do on their turn. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, how do you manage with the cards that you have and the amount of energy you have to both try to do damage to them, but also handle or deal with whatever they're going to plan be planning to do back to you on their turn? Uh, I'm really enjoying this game, Josh. I think it's really good. Nice. Uh, 
Have you did you play it at all? Yes. Yeah, that's why I recommended it. Okay. So I'm I'm having a great time with it. I got to the first boss and got destroyed. Um, and then it was like, oh yeah, uh, I guess this is why it's a roguelike. I really <laughs> need some cards that yeah. I currently don't have. The the one thing I will say is I don't have a good uh, grasp yet on how to best manage. Uh, I don't want to say even my deck because that's not totally true, but I I prefer roguelites or just deck building games in general that give you a lot of the ability to manipulate your cards a lot. And so mm-hmm. far, that's not present in this game. It's very much like, here's your hand of cards. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't want this hand of cards. I want other <laughs> cards that are still in my deck. How can I get to those? Uh, and so far, there really hasn't been or I haven't gotten any cards that really allow me to manipulate some. And then I just don't know because that's always the direction I go in these games. Um, I'm struggling in, in building a deck I feel very confident about. Um, but it, overall, I'm really liking it. I think the production is good. Uh, you know, Josh, this game does have everything voiced. Unlike yes, Pokemon. it does. <laughs> <laughs> unlike Pokemon, you know, that game that makes billions of dollars a year or the property that makes billions of dollars a year uh, can't do, you know, full voice acting. But hey, Taint the Grail can. Yeah, uh, that's pointing, true. Just putting that's that out there. Very good point. <laughs> so if you do have uh, PC Game Pass, it's an easy recommend. Uh, it came out last year, apparently. I think it came out like in May of last year on PC. Uh, if I had played this last year, uh, this may have, like, I don't know if it would have gotten to my top five, but it definitely would have been a contention for top ten for sure. Nice. Like, I'm really, really liking this game. But again, you have to like roguelite card-driven games, which yes. some people love like me and some people absolutely hate. Yeah, uh, there's so like no are, middle ground. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it really is no middle ground. Uh, so I think people are getting kind of over the, the card thing, but when you're a board gamer. Yeah, but they're fine I'm, with 8-bit every game ever made, but they're <laughs> over true. the card thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But. If you're into board games, though, the card thing is awesome. So I love it. But so that's pretty much what I have been playing um, and, and what has been taking my time. So that we're going to move on to our topics of the show. Josh, what's your first topic this week? Well, Kyle, it has finally come. We have an actual new type kind of monopoly. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just a painted on skin, which we're so used to. That being said, uh, Fall Guys is coming to the Monopoly board and they're bringing Obstacle Course with them, which I thought was super cool. <laughs> um, I don't really know uh, all the details, but I'll tell you, at least from the Fall Guys game Twitter, they said, we teamed up with Hasbro to bring you Fall Guys Monopoly with real obstacles that you can literally use you can actually eat other players, which I mean, that sold me right away. But <laughs> uh, this is from uh, from Dicebreaker.com. Um, so the game features imagery from the multiplayer video game uh, about navigating obstacle courses where this game will see two to four players attempting to earn as much currency as possible, which is your traditional monopoly. Um, Fall Guys Monopoly challenges players to collect as much of the video game's purple kudos currency as possible by charging rent or getting lucky with the game's various board events. Players will need to make their way around the board in order to purchase properties, blah, blah, blah. Alongside the potential rent traps, players will also want to dodge the various obstacles that will appear across the board uh, whenever a player activates them. Uh, At the start of every player's turn, they roll the knockout die uh, with the rep- with the results determining what random event will happen. 
And uh, random events in Fall Guys can be things like collecting more kudos or moving other players and activating certain obstacles. Uh, they have obstacles at the Big Yeetus, which they added after launch Fall Guys. Um, an enormous hammer that knocks player pieces over. Um, the moving wall and seesaw style obstacles that can launch players' pieces across the board. Uh, making it past goal will grant players a coveted crown, uh, with each one granting players 10,000 kudos points at the end of the game. And that's how you win it, by having the most kudos, not even by having the most properties. Uh, so it's set to be released by Hasbro at some point in the future, but uh, it'll be 27 bucks, which is, I think, fair. Probably a little high for Monopoly, but it is a new style. But I have to say, I think this is super cool, and I'm probably going to get it. Uh, it's available now. Oh, perfect. Well, free delivery by Thursday, February 3rd, if I order within four hours and eight minutes on Amazon. So it is available. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh, why do you think this is so cool? Like, what about this? Because there's obviously a ton of themed Monopoly. Uh, what about this one sticks out to you so much as being so cool? Well, I like that it still keeps the Monopoly gameplay, but it, it is literally just adding a new mechanic to the game, which we have... Okay, we have definitely seen some monopolies that have added new mechanics, but that's like the um, the debit card monopoly, which seems to be mm-hmm. standard now for some reason. <laughs> um, and some of the digital gimmicky ones, kind of like electronic battleship versus battleship. But I think this is like the first time where it's changing the way the money system works. It makes it probably more accessible to kids because you're not dealing with dollars. Um, but maybe that takes away a little bit of the learning about dollars. I don't know. Double-edged sword. But I don't know. There's something about it that it's got to be the obstacles, right? It, like it's basically like a mousetrap version of Monopoly or so like some type of degree to that. So uh, I just like that they – I like that they try to do something different. Instead of – they could have just made Fall Guys Monopoly with pewter Fall Guys figures and – just change the names and the properties and that's it. So um, I, I like that they went the next step to make it more unique. No, I agree. This definitely seems uh, like a more, a bigger um, deviation from traditional Monopoly to incorporate what makes Monopoly Monopoly, but also incorporate what makes, in this case, Fall Guys, Fall Guys, uh, which is really cool to see. Uh, I am reading, there's four reviews for it on uh, Amazon so far. <laughs> So not very many. Obviously, this game is just getting out there. Uh, but multiple of them talk about the rules being hard to understand. So good luck with that. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> uh, in fact, one of the reviews is like, we just made our own rules. Uh, is what one of the Well, that's said. the beauty of Monopoly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. House rules galore. So that's at least not going to change. Uh, but it looks really good. Like people have pictures of it on their table. It looks really nice. Like it, it, it is a big chunky looking board game um and i think for the price probably not too bad you're right like maybe a bit much for monopoly but with all the next things that are going on there um it seems pretty cool uh and, and a nice i hope this represents the direction their monopoly is going to go with more of their you know ip based monopoly versions because this is really cool i think this is an, a, a neat way uh to bring fall guys to life uh in a board game so yeah for so what's sure. that? how are you how are you gonna decide if you're gonna get it, Josh? <laughs> well, can I be I'll be honest with you. <laughs> so I went to the Amazon page. Uh-huh. 
And below it was a link for Mastermind for Kids. Uh huh. And I got that instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember loving Mastermind, and they make it looks like they make it simpler for kids. And my son's getting really good at memory stuff, so I think this would probably be a better gift for him than Monopoly Fall Guys. Just have him play Wordle. It'll be fine. That's free. Yeah, yeah, he can't spell, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that could be difficult. <laughs> well, if he just thinks of them as symbols rather than words, the, it would still apply, right? <laughs> I have to teach him a different form of alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. Anything else about uh, Fall Guys Monopoly? No, I will own it just because I didn't get in now. doesn't mean I won't own it. No, that's I will fine. I, own this game. <laughs> yeah, that is totally fine. Uh, is there any other video game property you think that may make a cool version of Monopoly if they're willing to go the extra mile like they did on this Fall Guys version. You know, they made a Halo one and it had a lot of potential, but I th- I, I still have it. I don't even remember. Um, oh, no, I'm confusing that with Risk. Never mind. Um, what would be a good Monopoly? But you, ha- but I don't know. You'd have to change a lot of stuff. I don't want it just to be another skin, right? So um, uh, I don't know. I would have to think about that. Yeah, I was trying to think of one, too, off the top of my head, and nothing was coming to mind. I was like, well, if I make Josh go first, I'll be able to think of one. You have to change money and then add. If I wanted to make it like the Fall Guys thing, but not the Fall Guys thing, like trying to think of a property that can incorporate different pieces on the board without it still being the same Monopoly. I think the core Monopoly is still there, even if we change the buildings to spaceships or the currency to, I don't know. Firefly money, like it still inherently is Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a game that took advantage, and not not, not that these would be big enough to to do a Monopoly tie-in with. But I was trying to think of like, okay, so Monopoly has like the roll and move. Like, what's a game that has like really fluid movement that we could use to then maybe tweak the movement in Monopoly? Um, so I was thinking of like Solar Ash and like all these other things, but then I was yeah. like, well. I don't know that I know enough about like what are the properties. How, what about you know, Monopoly like, what Legacy? Monopoly Legacy, oh, where properties uh, like the building collapses, so it's just like an empty lot, and then That'd if be- you have enough money, you can rebuild it and name it whatever you want. That would be interesting. It kind, mm, it almost is kind of like my city in a way, but obviously. I'm just trying to think of like how does that work with going around a board over and over right. again? Like what is the end? And obviously with legacy games, you can make the end of each game be whatever you want it to be. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of how do you make that still interesting for game 10, 11, and 12? Like what are you adjusting for your buildings? Like, oh, we like knocked this building down. It's now a park. And then in two games, we're going to change that park into a yeah, Kyle, else. Kyle came around and he had 15 grand in his bank and he decided to demolish the park and build a skyscraper <laughs> or Man, a you, tenant building. <laughs> $15,000 skyscraper. I don't know if I'm going to want to go in that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> I know. I know. Cool. All right, Josh. My first story this week uh, encourages you to get your hyperscape fix in now because uh, you're not going to be able to play it much longer. This is over from Games Radar. Ubisoft's free-to-play Battle Royale Hyperscape is shutting down after 18 months. Uh, The servers are being taken offline in April. 18 months after launch, Hyperscape is shutting down its servers and being taken offline, Ubisoft has announced. We have made the difficult decision to end development of Hyperscape and shut down the 
and shut the game down as of April 28th, recent update from Ubisoft. We set out to create a vertical, close quarters, and fast-paced shooter experience, and we are extremely grateful to our community for joining us on our journey. We will be taking key learnings from this game into future products. Hyperscape got off to a relatively promising start for a free-to-play battle royale, at least, when it launched into open beta in July 2020. We had some fun with the beta at the time, but ultimately felt that its combat just didn't stack up to its competitors. So, Josh, we have talked about Hyperscape before on the show. Yeah. Kind of forgot about it, I think, for the most part, right? Like, I don't think it was a game we were regularly talking about. Uh, Ubisoft is has been known for shepherding games on for a long time to kind of get them to the point where they want them to be. Why do you think 18 months is still kind of a long time, but why do you think they have made the decision to end hyperscape rather than continuing to shepherd and see what they could do with this game? You know, I don't know. I I was actually genuinely surprised that they were actually shutting the servers down. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people will let servers go for a long time, even a year if they're not even being like an extra year, like advance, like notice. Um, I mean, they're just now shutting down Titanfall servers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it's not on the same level, but uh, yeah, I mean, just for Ubisoft, it obviously means that they put, I don't know, they put so much money into making this game. It's still a free-to-play game, so I can't imagine that keeping it open, uh, they it just must not be offsetting in the cost to keep it open. Versus what they're making in like D, like transactions, so uh, it makes sense if they're losing money on it, then yeah, shut it down. But even if they're making a little bit of money on it, they should keep it up. Because one thing we do talk about Ubisoft is how much they support all of their games, not just their online games. Like For Honor is still going, Rainbow Six Siege is still going, like games that have no business still going are still going. So it, they must really be losing a lot of money on this game. Uh, if you had to guess, Josh, how many people do you think are watching Hyperscape right now on Twitch? Uh, less than 100, probably. <laughs> 21 viewers. Okay. Yeah. Now, I tried to look for number of players, and I was not able to get a reliable number of players anywhere. Sure. Uh, because just with how the game is distributed and all that other good stuff. So I was I have no idea how many people are playing it right now. Uh, about 21 people are watching it. It does have 338,000 followers on Twitch, though. Wow. But only 21 people are watching. <laughs> so I think probably what happened is in that opening weekend, people were like, oh, this is cool. And they followed it and then just never, ever uh, did anything with it again. Yeah. So, you know, they said that they're going to take lessons from this game moving forward. Sure. Uh, what lessons do you hope they take from this game? And how do you think <laughs> we'll see them uh, potentially implement those things in future games? I don't know. Like, I was interested in Hyperscape. I thought they did a pretty good job marketing it when it first came out. Um, they did pay a bunch of streamers to stream it, which you know may may have hurt them a little bit. Um, for me, it was playing it. I just did not enjoy the game. It was uh, too, too fast. Like, Unreal Tournament is fast. This is faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't fun for me. And I was constantly getting sniped by people I couldn't see. I just didn't have fun. So I guess if I having no clue what they're they would be looking at is they need use this as um a learning tool and, and just really like exit interview every player at this game. Like why did you not why did you stop playing this game? 
Why did you not play this game? Whatever the case may be. Why did you only play an hour of this game? And and really just take that feedback if they want to get back into a game like this. They might also decide like, hey, we're just not going to do. Uh, they also, did, we, did they ever launch um, that game I tested? Uh, <laughs> the Division oh, yeah. Apex Legends game? I don't think so. so. They have another game they're supposed to be putting out, and I don't even think it came out, and it was supposed to come out last year. So maybe they just yeah. need to stop and just focus <laughs> on the their license, like their games, like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. <laughs> they need to stop, collaborate, and listen. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since we have a little bit of time, Josh, uh, I just want to ask you, because this is always fun. Um, how many people do you think on Twitch currently are watching? <clears throat> grand theft auto five. Oh man it's probably like i don't know what's a hive twitch viewership is it like okay, two thousand people <laughs> i will tell you that currently the highest category right now that is live currently is just chatting yeah it has three hundred eighty thousand viewers okay so, so granted that's everyone who's listed under just chatting so that is the highest is 380k so how many viewers do you think grand theft auto five has right 150k now? Two hundred and seventy-three thousand. <laughs> this, I yeah. <laughs> okay, and no, and this is okay because I love it's lightning in a bottle. Well. I don't know how you re, I don't know how you recreate Grand Theft no, Auto. No, for sure, I'm, and I'm not saying that <laughs> they should be able to create Grand Theft Auto Five. I think it's just always a good check-in to see, like, obviously, how many people watch a game is not directly equivalent to how popular a game is, but I still yeah. think it's interesting to see, like, how pot you know where some games are and where in versus where we perceive they'd be. Um, the game we just talked about a little bit earlier, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Where do you think it's at right now? Oh, it's new. It's exciting for people. Uh, well, it's Nintendo, and less people have the ability to stream it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 80,000? 160,000. Okay. So I'm about 100,000 off on both of my guesses. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But like I said, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be able to guess this unless I was looking at it. Uh, okay. So. Another game that we just mentioned, a game that is, um, a, you know, a competitor in, in many ways to Hyperscape, Apex Legends. How many people do you think are watching Apex Legends right now? Two hundred thousand. Uh, nope, a little low. Eighty-one, or it's a little lower than <laughs> that. Eighty-one thousand six hundred. And I'm not. I promise, I'm not going to like just in like order, order here. But uh, other games that are popular right now. Just one sec here. Okay, hey, we just talked about this game, Fall Guys. How many people do you think are watching Fall Guys Ooh, right now? 50,000? No, 3,600. Jeez, what happened to yeah. Fall Guys? <laughs> Fall Guys is an interesting story. It was a game that was huge on Twitch and has yeah. dropped off. It's all the cheaters, that's why. Um, very few people watching Fall Guys on Twitch anymore compared to um, what were. Okay, Josh, here's an interesting one. A game that we hear about being absolutely massive, but I don't. But a game neither of us have experienced as far as I know, Roblox. Well, the kids will be watching it. Well, the kids, kids are playing it, but are kids watching it, Josh? That's the question. Yeah, all the kids do is watch people play games now. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. That's what I hear. That's what the internet says. Just kids kids are only watching games. What happened to playing games? Uh, I don't know, 120,000? 3,000 viewers. What are you, you're setting me up to fail every time. No, I, I even <laughs> tried to tell you. I even tried to do that. Okay, well, let's do a couple more because I think it, like I said, I would have guessed Roblox would have been way, way higher too. The only reason I wouldn't, I knew it might not be, is because I watch a decent amount of um, twi- stuff on Twitch. Okay, Josh, let's go then with a couple 
fun things here. Sea of Thieves, Josh, that game that just kind of keeps on going. How many people are watching Sea of Thieves right now? 200. 12,000. <laughs> okay, interesting. Now, let's uh, you know, go with another Xbox property. Halo Infinite, Josh. How many people are watching Halo Infinite right now? 50,000. 10,600. More people are watching Sea of Thieves in Halo right now. Well, Sea of Thieves is more interesting. Every Halo match looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> and last one we're going to do, just because I think it's interesting. How many people do you think are watching Code Names right now, Josh? 10. 11,400 <laughs> people watching sense. Code Names. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay, Josh, what is your second topic this week? <laughs> Uh, okay, we have an alliance of sorts in the appropriate category. Uh, Paizo and Gale Force 9 Games have announced a multi-game partnership, and they have released uh, the first three games, uh, as far as titles go, at least. Uh, for people who don't know, well, Paizo does Pathfinder and Starfinder and the like. Gale Force 9, uh, well, they're pretty heavy on... Um, uh, what's the word I want to use for their board games? Like war games, but they also have done the new some of the new Dune games, um, and some RPGs as well. So they're they're uh doing a few games together. They're releasing um two board games and a card game over the course of 2022 under the agreement. Uh, this is from ICV2, by the way. Uh, the first board game to arrive will be Pathfinder, uh, colon, level 20. Uh, in this game, players assume the roles of Cobol, Cob, Cobol, it's, it's an L, Cobalts, <laughs> who are fleeing a 19th level hero looking to smite them uh, so that they can achieve level 20 as a character. It's a two to six player game. It's going to be 30 bucks. That's all we really know so far. Uh, we also know they were releasing a new Starfinder board game in quarter three of this year entitled Starfinder Pirates of Skydock, which will fo- uh, which will be followed by a Pathfinder card game called Pathfinder Tall Tales in Q4 of this year. Uh, that's all we really know so far. Um, Paizo is also releasing Crown of the Cobalt King Anniversary Edition for the Pathfinder RPG into retail stores as well. But I would say, so we don't play these games. Like I was part of a Pathfinder group. I still kind of am. I just right. haven't had time to play with them. Uh, do, on a surface level, do any, do any of these games have any interest to you or are you just too far out of uh, your wheelhouse? Well, part of me is wondering why this partnership with Gale Force 9 is happening. And maybe... It is different enough because obviously Paizo, you know, really focus on the RPG realm, but they do have the Pathfinder Adventure card game, which yeah. I have played and adore. I think that game is amazing. That's a great game. Yeah, I really, really like that game. So they have experience like producing board games. Yeah. So I'm just really curious as to why they felt the need to to go with Gale Force 9 and maybe they just didn't have the development that um, might be it, yeah. knowledge or ability to, to do that. Uh, but. You know, because I enjoyed the Pathfinder Adventure card game so much without being in any way tied to 
a Pathfinder RPG session or a Starfinder RPG session in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, I'm moderately interested in these. Like, I, I really like the other board game options. So I'll at least check them out when that we know more about them and see if it's something I'd want to get more into. I'm not saying I'm going to order them today, but I'm interested enough to find out more when we know more. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I love Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Um, I kind of really wanted to play. They just like redid it, like and fixed like a bunch of the yeah like looming issues, and uh, I really wanted to grab that, but I didn't. Uh, I'm interested. I've always been interested in Starfinder as a concept. I uh, really like taking, you know, Pathfinder to a science fiction level, and being able to play that as a board game seems really cool to me. I think that's very uh, appealing. And I think that first game, that level 20, just sounds too funny to not play. It sounds like it could be a lot of fun. So uh, I'm in for that, too. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested in uh, seeing all of those and what they are. Yeah, I, you're right. The synopsis for what level 20 is that game is supposed to be is really interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe this was a way for, you know, I assume, obviously, like I said, I assume that like Paizo was like, hey, Gale Force, but maybe Gale Force went to Paizo and they're like, hey, we have these games that, you know, that we think are good, but thematically we think could work well, you know, in the Pathfinder universe. Is there a way we can um, get together on this, you know, yeah. to try and compete with the fantasy flights and things like that, who really do connected universe games. Well, um, you know, maybe they felt that was going to be a better option for them. So yeah. Anything else about that, Josh, you want to talk about? No. Uh, okay. I don't, I, you know, I struggled this week about nft topics again i was like i oh, just kind of sick about talking about them but if you if, if our listeners are interested just uh google or go to twitter and just type ubisoft and then nft and then statement and then you'll get to read a real uh frustrating statement made by the ubisoft nft developers <laughs> we just don't know what we want josh or understand what we want yeah, we don't it's the get consumer's it. fault. It's not their fault. We yeah. are dumb, not them. We are dummies. <laughs> We're dum-dums. But you know what? At least we know that we are, right, Josh? We're self-aware dummies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Josh, so my final topic uh, is making good on a promise. We always tell people, hey, write in. Let us know if you have questions, thoughts, comments. <laughs> what, what do you want to hear on the show? Yeah. Um, and Splink just did that. He a few weeks ago was talking about, hey, have, would we ever consider doing a board game essentials type topic? So we're going to do one. That's what was going to happen is we're going to kick off and start kind of doing. We'll probably do a few of these from time to time. It'll become a, a rotating uh, session. Uh, so, you know, for this, this is going to be really focused on what are some essential games for building your collection? So each time we do this, we'll focus on something different. But really what I wanted to do with this one was focus on. What if you are getting into hobby board gaming or you're, or you're really just starting to kind of get into it, what are games that we believe are essential for starting your board game collection? Okay, mm -hmm. so types of games, like genre of game, like mechanisms could be anything. You know, in the future, we might do like a deck builder focused one or a co-op focused one, but today it could be anything, but just things we think that would be really good to, you know, when you're putting together your first 20 games of your collection, like make sure that these should be part of it. Um, so we're each going to have three, bring three games that we think should be fit there. And then we are going to decide together on what is going to be the one essential essential um, that is like the board with video games essential game um, for this category of uh, starting your collection. Um, and it might be a game that's on our list. It might not be. It might be a, a, an additional game in addition to the three that we talk about. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see how that goes. Uh, Josh, 
do you, a do you have three games ready for this i do okay b did you have a thought process when putting these games together well because you said it was um for starting your collection i just Correct. i just wanted it to be um a good player account and accessible to everyone because if you're starting a board game collection in my head you're also like uh the goal would be to be social as well. I know that that's not the mm-hmm. case for everybody, but I think that you would want accessible games to a larger group of people. Uh, even if you're single or in a couple, uh, you probably might want a game with a higher player count for having people over. In my head, that's what I was thinking. No, that's good. And wh- wh- how I how I thought about it and kind of what I put together was, okay, I'm trying to get games that are very different so that you're mm-hmm. getting a lot of different styles of games. But I also try to go, I don't want to say that they're easy games, but games that I felt were accessible. And that if you are getting into the hobby, I think one of the hardest, most daunting things is like learning to how do you teach games and how do you start understanding rules? Yeah. So I tended to go on the lighter side just to help kind of with that process. Um, and then, you know, next step games for me might be a little more complicated, but I did try to give like a good breadth. And it's only three games in it, which is hard to then like, get a little bit of everything in there but that was kind of my big thing that i focused on on our games that are easy to learn easy to teach but still provide like a good deep play experience even like within that to hopefully help keep you engaged yeah um so josh what's the what's the first recommendation uh well it's not going to be a surprise to anyone i don't think but my first recommendation would be ticket to ride uh base game not uh you don't need an anniversary edition you don't need the european version just uh plain old well what, what's in the stores now the 25th anniversary one i don't even know anymore <laughs> whatever's out there yeah um take it to ride it is easy to learn easy to teach and it has a i think it's five player max so i think you have a good amount of players available um and it's different every time you play it so you get enough replay ability out of it um for a long time before you even need to look at expansions or new boards. I will say I did try to avoid any yeah. of the typical games that are usually done for this. So you will not hear any of the, like you won't just me. Not, I'll be the traditional. No, if not, and if you have them, that's great, those, no, no, no. If you have them, that's great. Cause those are important to hear. But like often you'll hear games like take a try on these lists. So I was trying to think of like, different games that would also still kind of fulfill this. Just, this really... <laughs> don't call me out on it. No, just I'm let it go. <laughs> just saying. I tried I tried to think of different things. I try not okay. to be boring like Josh and no. do the game everyone no. picks. <laughs> no. I think there is great value in reinforcing those evergreen games that fit yes. in this area. My hunch was that that might be the direction you would go. So I tried to go a different direction so we wouldn't just have the same three games. That's gotcha. all I'm saying. Gotcha. Um, though, the, though I will say this first one eh, you might pick because I know you like this game. Uh, so my first recommendation uh, is going to be Century Gollum Edition. Uh, Century, I think, is a really a it's a beautiful game. So when you get it to the table, it just looks amazing. Um, very, very easy to learn. Um, very easy to bring others into um, the group and let them understand how to play really quick to for them to understand i think the upgrading mechanic in there of like okay if i take these gems i can upgrade it for this and i take these gems and they can upgrade it for that 
I think is a really neat like thing that you might not expect to see um, in you know board games these days if you only had played older style um, or more mass market games. Uh, and it has the option if you want to and get more into it that you can then get the other um, games within you know the the group of three if you want to to further expand that world. So it's a really good base to start from. It's pretty affordable. It's pretty easy to find. You can go with Spice Road if you want to. I picked Golem Edition just because I think it's prettier. Um, but then if you like it, you can you know continue to expand on that world um, in what is a pretty affordable way. So for my first pick game, I think everyone should have in their first twenty or so uh, is Century Golem Edition. Nice. Josh, what's your next one? Well, my next one I wouldn't call easy, but I think once you learn it, it is easy to teach. It is uh, Disney Villainous. Oh, nice. I think Disney's such a wide, you know, like everyone, not everyone, most people love Disney. So it's probably easy to get a group of people into it. Um, it is unique to, well, it's getting less unique as it gets older because people are borrowing from it but uh it is like you said it's a game where if you do enjoy it there's a lot to expand into but it is also challenging uh while you play so it's not just gonna be um it's not gonna be it won't oh, what's the word i want to say it's not going to be not stimulating that's doesn't sound like a good sentence but <laughs> it will be stimulating to the degree where every time you play also you have the ability to play as a different character who has different victory conditions and different cards in their deck so you're you, you will be able to in the base box you have four or five villains so you at least get to have the experience of playing as each of them for replayability uh there's a good chance you won't win your first couple times so you can always revisit characters that you lost with to try to get a better strategy um, but it's also one of those games where I, it won't ever leave my collection because of how much I like it. And I think if I was rebuilding a collection, it would be one of one of the first games I would start with. Awesome. All right. So my next game is a game we actually talked about just a couple of weeks ago uh, of that. This game probably would be a evergreen or a more popular or a, or a regular recommend recommendation. Uh, if not for the name of the game, <clears throat> that is the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Oh, nice. Uh, nice bag building. So you kind of get into the idea of it's not actually deck building, but you still kind of are getting a similar experience of like building your bag together. You get that experience of pushing luck, of, of pushing your luck um, and, and how many items you're going to pull out of that bag and how long are you going to go for it. Um, and it really is going to start to introduce to you to then like the variable board setup where you, depending on how many players you have and the number of ingredients and all that good stuff, like those things might be different. Um, so I think it just gives a lot of different variety of different concepts within board games, um, and different styles of board games that exist in a way that's pretty easy to teach and it's really fun. Like it's just a fun game. And the nice thing about it is the take that is all within yourself, right? Like right. it's not somebody else like trying to hose you over. It's all about you and like how much are you going to push yourself and risk it? So at the end of the day, you know, hopefully you can just laugh at yourself if things go poorly, like they often do for me in this game. Uh, but it's still a really good time. Uh, I think it's still pretty available. Also, um, reasonably affordable. Again, you know, I, I was trying yeah. to keep these games under $50 and I think I have with the first two. Um, so yeah, Quacks of Quedlinburg, I think is a, a really good game uh, to start your collection with. What's your third game, Josh? My third game is one of my favorite games. Uh, I think it is very accessible, 
the theme could be a turnoff to some people, but uh, easy to learn, easy to play, fun, challenging. It's Betrayal at House on the Hill. Ooh. Because it also plays with the cooperative gameplay, and it also introduces the traitor aspect as well. And the beauty of one of the beauties of Betrayal at House on the Hill is um, the traitor isn't necessarily always someone that you're playing with. Uh, you might have uh, a different type of trader. You might have a different type of goal. Um, it's just very interesting, the amount of scenarios that are included in just that aspect of the game. But it also um, introduces the Carcassonne-esque uh, tiles of mystery. Like you are flipping a tile. You don't know what you're going to get. And every time you play, it will uh, be different based on the room set up and how you decide to to explore this house and who your character is. Um, just a game that uh, I think is still pretty unique on its own. Uh, not too many copycats out there for it, and uh, I just love it. I can play it. You don't have to play it at Halloween. I can play it any day and be just as happy. Well, that's great, because being happy is good. Uh, this next part was tough because I had two games I was really trying to him and ha between uh, which one I was going to go. And I guess I'm going to go, since my other two games are pretty light, um, I'm going to go a different direction and I'll go with the one that's slightly heavier, but I think it's still very accessible. Uh, and it's a, I guess, going to be more similar to to your current pick. It is going to kind of be theoretically a dungeon crawl, uh, but it is done in a storybook fashion with deep story. Uh, and that is Stuff Fables. Um, so I think if, especially if you are having um, a family or young kids who are wanting to participate in your games, um, something like Stuff Fables will really help show them uh, the com- the simple complexity, I guess, or the how games can be accessible yet deep um, and that you can have your kids join you and be excited and engaged in the story, but still have a really deep and meaningful play experience for the adults. Uh, so I think Stuff Fables is just a really joyous game to play. The characters are exciting. The writing is pretty solid, um, and it's just a really good time. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jerry Hawthorne's games and kind of everything he has done. Uh, so I'm really excited uh, to see about. Oh shoot! What is his the new game called? Familiar Tales. Yes, Familiar Tales. Thank you. Really excited for that coming out here soon. Uh, but since that isn't out yet, and I haven't had a chance to experience it, um, Stuff Fables is just a great experience. So I, I think it is going to give. Um, a different, like I said, a different concept or a different perspective on what maybe what you thought board games could be. Um, so Stuff Fables is going to be my third selection. So Josh, if we had to come to a consensus, though, obviously hmm. we both just listed three different games. If we had to come up with, and it can be a completely different game that we come up with. If we had to come up with, like, a, if somebody was going to go to the store today and buy one game that they should use to kind of start building out that collection... What do you think that game could be? Now, some options just to throw out there, you know, some typical things that you'll hear. You're going to think hear things like Splendor and Azul and Pandemic. Uh, you already covered Ticket to Ride, which is great. Um, Sagrada is another one that you're probably typically going to hear. Um, is there something that you think right now that you'd be like, this is, oh, Dixit, code names? Like, these are things that you're going to hear a lot of. Is there one that you think we should agree to as a podcast say like hey this is the one we would typically recommend you go get i mean i'm always happy to suggest century golem edition like um if that i mean 
I thought that I don't know what that's just what I thought we were doing with our list was picking one of the ones that we listed. It can be. It doesn't have to be. Right. Because I also would be very, very happy to pick Tickets to Ride because I think that is a great pick. We just have to agree on which edition of Ticket to Ride we're going to do. Because I feel well, like everyone says they like Europe the best, but I don't. I actually don't. Have I hate the Europe, Europe one. Okay, I was like, I don't even have Europe. I only have the US, like as my main one. Um. So, but what don't I you don't like hate it. Europe? I just dislike it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I okay. dislike it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I definitely would be okay with picking, you know, Century if you want to. Um, the other thing we could do is we could look, because the, like the game, like the big game styles we haven't talked about yet, we don't really have a worker placement game. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, we could do something there. Uh, we don't really have a deck builder. We have a bag builder, but not really like a deck building game. Um, I don't really think we have a party game for the most part either. But we're going to be doing more of these or we're just trying to pick one, Oh, right? yeah. We're going to be doing more of these. I, right now, we're just picking one, but we'll be doing more of these related to specific genres in the future. So this is just a to get things started game. Right. So what do you think? I have to pick it. <laughs> I just told well, you. I'm, just I'm, I'm okay with Century Gollum Edition. I just, I, I, if we're picking one out of the blue, not one of the ones we just listed, that will be more challenging. Well, I just didn't know if something like, you know, rattled free during that time. You're like, oh, we really should have talked about this one. Uh, you know, if you're suddenly you're like, oh, no, everyone should get Marvel Champions, the card game. I would have to play it to be able to recommend it. <laughs> um, OK, well, let's go Century Golem Edition. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. So that is the recommended game to start your collection with as you're going to start building that fancy collection, Century Golem Edition. But obviously, everything we mentioned here is a great way to kind of start building up uh, the that game bookcase, bookshelf what can eventually become multiple bookshelves if you have a problem like we do um, mm. and have <laughs> games just overflowing everywhere. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Century Golem Edition, our you know, first recommended essential board game. Nice. All right. So with that, we're going to give some updates on our homework. Mm. Um, two weeks ago, uh, Josh assigned me to play Tainted Grail, which I talked about earlier. Um, Josh, you were assigned to play a new board game. I was. <laughs> I, are you telling me that didn't happen? That did not happen. That did not okay. happen. I'm going to say it was because of the snow. So you got a snow day. So that was okay. Snow and sickness. So Everyone was sick. Nothing fun happened. We had so many COVID scares. I can't even count how many tests I had to do in the past two weeks. It is frustrating. <laughs> but, every, so, yeah. but everyone's hey, COVID free. <laughs> I was like, everyone's coming free. Hopefully we're turning the corner on all that good stuff. So that's good. Hopefully those things get better as we can move forward here. Um, So with that, Josh, that's okay. Like I said, we'll we'll give you a snow day on that. So that's not a problem. Um, What is my homework for two weeks from now? Well, uh, your homework is is no homework. Your homework is to play something you want to play. Okay. You have so many games that you want to play, especially within a two-week period, which will lead right up to Horizon, basically. But I don't want to assign you something that will derail you from the games you want to play in the time frame that you have to play them. Gotcha. Well, that's so nice of you, Josh, but I'm giving you homework. Anyway. That's fine. You can give me homework. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you know what you get to do? You get to play uh, the digital version of a card game is what you get to do. Okay. Uh, you're going to play some Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Oh, man, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's free okay. to play. 
yeah, on whichever platform you'd like to play. This game is blowing up, Josh. It's like 30,000 <sighs> viewers on Twitch right now. Like people are, are playing it, loving their Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Are you not a Yu-Gi-Oh! fan, Josh? No. <laughs> Did I strike you as a Yu-Gi-Oh! fan? <laughs> you might, I mean, who knows? It's kind of like a it's like a board game. So is it on mobile? I think it might be. I think it's like on everything. Uh, let's see. Switch, PS4, PS5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. So no okay. mobile. It doesn't Not mobile. Like. Oh, and it's available for download on mobile devices. Never mind. It is mobile. Not on Android. Interesting. I can't believe how it disappointed Unless I gotta go to their website. Which is very possible. Who says Konami ain't making games no more, huh? Look at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, Konami. Yeah, it says on the it's on the App Store and Google Play. Oh, Google Play. Can I just do it through their website? Because I just searched for it and it's not. Oh wait, hold on. It no, might not, it's a, not. It hasn't launched in every country on mobile yet, but it's coming. Okay, all right. So I'll play it on Xbox or Switch or something. Okay, all right. Great. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Unless if you are in Algeria, Austria, Brazil, Egypt, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Portugal, Switzerland, or Turkey. Oh, everywhere you else. Played on mobile. <laughs> so there we go. Cool. All right. Well, that, uh, Josh, it looks like we have uh, some listener, an email and some listener feedback. It looks like I had highlight to read that. We have an email. We have a text and we have a tweet. Okay. Well, take us through. All right. Did I not? What is happening? Okay. Okay. I didn't. Let me go on my phone for Twitter because I didn't. For some reason, I don't have ours on my computer. Okay. Schlage on Twitter says, have any favorite dishes from other countries? I got to start scratching off my map eating around the world. Uh, except all the new things I want to cook keep being Indian, Korean, and Mexican. Fun game for Guile. Guess the celebrity chefs influencing me. I tried to get some food names, like plates. I was like, can you just give me some food dishes and I'll ask Kyle if he knows. He says he doesn't need to know. <laughs> They're all <laughs> experts in their respective cuisine. Not a particular dish. He should be able to guess them. One doesn't have a restaurant. The others do. So, Kyle, you need to guess. Wait, what? <laughs> you, he wants you to guess. Splank okay. would like you to guess. Yeah. The celebrity chefs that have influenced him to cook Indian, Korean, and Mexican. Two of them have restaurants and one of them doesn't. No pressure. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have to guess which. Oh boy. So in. Okay. Oh boy. So Indian. We'll start there. I guess. I don't. Oh, I don't know a ton of Indian celebrity chefs. So this is gonna be. This one's gonna be tough. I mean, the people who come to mind are Artie Sequera or uh, Manit. Oh, what's Manit's last name? Chauhan. Um, are the two who come to mind? Or I guess Padma. Lakshmi technically would she isn't isn't a I don't know if she's considered a chef. I'm gonna guess it's Ooh. one of those three when it comes to Indian. Um, so that's what I'm gonna, gonna guess there. Uh, Korean, I guess I'm my easy answer is David Chang. Yeah. Uh, but it could also I guess be Roy Choi. Um, but that's who I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Dave Chang there. Um, and then Mexican. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Oh boy. Um. I'm trying to think of Mexican celebrity chefs, Aron Sanchez, or gosh, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to think of who else it might be. 
I think you did great at guessing uh, names I wouldn't have been able to pull out anyways. <laughs> I mean, Jose Garces might be considered a celebrity chef there because he was an Iron Chef, I guess. And he, The only other one I can think of potentially would be he's not Mexican, but Rick Bayless is like this. Actually, this is a funny, not funny it, thing. Uh, do you know who Skip Bayless is, Josh? The name on is very ESPN. familiar to he's me. On, yeah. He's a pundit on ESPN. Oh, he does um, uh, Around the Horn. Yes. So Skip yeah. Bayless. His brother is Rick Bayless, who is like basically the biggest like American Mexican chef. Like he has yeah. restaurants in Chicago. Um, so it is kind of a bit odd because he's like an American, but he specializes in Mexican cuisine and he does a whole bunch of stuff on like YouTube and things mm. like that. So anyway, those are going to be my guesses. Let me know, Schplig, if I got any of them remotely close to right. Um, yeah, you put Kyle through that. You have to tweet us if you <laughs> get any of them right. <laughs> that would not be fair. So. <laughs> Okay. Wow, Elaine already beat Pokemon. What? Yeah. I just saw her tweet. Dang. Uh, Okay. Elaine, by the way, is from PSVG Podcast and Nintendo Shack. For people who are curious, let's go to the emails. (laughs) Gotta get a theme song for it. Paul Calico chimes in an email. I do have to agree with the Crunchy Weiss. Crunchy Weiss? I don't know what he's saying. AKA Cheese Gordita Crunch. There we go. Oh. It's, it's freaking delicious. Yes. Um, Microsoft is going crazy. End of sentence. Uh, <laughs> DQ, also, Dairy Queen, also has a dude, which is so good. I think he means the dude from Big Lebowski, right? Not like a thing called the dude. I don't even know. Paul <laughs> <laughs> uh, always emails us in code. Um Sonic is definitely the worst fast food, but nobody mentioned pizza. I like my Little Caesar here. Little Caesars is like notoriously okay food. <laughs> when you get a large pizza for five bucks, you know what you're Does getting. Does it count as food? That's like the <laughs> no. big thing to ask. Does it count as food? With pizza sauce on it. But hey, again, if you like it, that's great. I just, oh man, I've never liked Little Caesars. Oof. <laughs> I did with have I'm, a conversation though with my partner when we were doing that about like whether or not you would include pizza on it. Yeah, and that was a tough one because I, I wanted to include pizza, but we the could problem have. is my my favorite pizza place though is not like I wouldn't consider fast food, so that's it's like, not regional. It, yeah, it's just a, a local mom and pop pizza place that's really good, but it's definitely not fast. So gotcha. Uh, with High Moon being eaten up in the Microvision deal, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't understand that sentence. Uh, do you all think we could possibly get a third Transformers game? Uh, War for and Fall of Cybertron are good games. They are. We get left hanging at the end of Fall 4. Uh, interesting. I forgot to mention I have Transformers Devastation, uh, which I picked up because my son loves Transformers. And it was like I accidentally redeemed a GameStop online only gift card that I couldn't oh. use for anything. So I looked at Transformers toys and the game came up and it was like 100 bucks like six months ago because they were unavailable and I was able to get it for like five bucks after the coupon so i played that a little bit that was pretty fun he really enjoyed that but um yeah i guess uh we could probably see more transformers games i mean they're putting them in smite and uh war thunder um battleship game like you can i don't see why we don't have a new transformers game out oh we just had one right the tactics one. Oh yeah battlegrounds or something like that yeah battlegrounds yes battlegrounds um, I think 
because didn't War for Cybertron and Fallout of Cybertron wasn't wasn't there a final game in that though? But it was really bad. It was like nowhere near as good as the other two were. Like Rise of the Dark Spark or something like that was like oh, the maybe. final one. So I think I they know. technically finished the trilogy, but the last one was really bad uh, gotcha. in comparison to the other two. But that War for Cybertron game and the Fall of Cybertron games, those things were so fun. Oh my gosh, I love those games. They were great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I when I when I launched up Devastation, it did say Activision, so I immediately thought of oh yeah, now this is up too to Microsoft potentially if they have the license still. Um, the last thing you have, we have is a text message I got from a listener. I have already responded. I'm happy to share my response, but I figured I would read this to you and let you respond. It's based off of our conversation with Donnie about okay. Blizzard Activision. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, wish there was a voice in the pod that came at this from anti-monopoly um, or oligopoly perspective. There were some points where someone would say something and I would think, yeah, that bad thing is happening because of purchases and mergers like this. When you guys are talking about Bungie and how they used to be very adamant about being independent, but now they are having issues bringing on support developers. Why do you think that is? None of you thought that that might be a symptom of the rot in the industry. The two largest producers in the market are buying up the smaller companies. The smaller companies that aren't bought up yet are finding it harder to survive in a market that is dominated by a handful of companies. Those companies are going to realize, like Bungie and many other small companies that have already been eaten, that the only way to survive is to go under the wing of a larger company. It seems like all three of you aren't worried about Sony and Microsoft eventually eating up all the third-party developers, and if governments don't start checking industries like this, we are just going to have a bunch of mega corporations that own everything. I mean, it's already happened in other industries. I get in the short term, for people who like Xbox, this is good. Sony will likely buy up some stuff too in response, and Sony people will think that's great. The people that will suffer in the long term will be the smaller companies and people who like playing video games. And then he says, I'm sorry for this very long text and probably several run-on sentences. Uh, so here's what I'll say. Uh, I think I mentioned very briefly during that conversation, and I know I've mentioned it on the podcast in general before, uh, I am not in favor of Microsoft buying Activision. I was not in favor of them buying Bethesda. I do think that's bad for the industry as a whole. Uh, I, I am not a fan of consolidation. And I specifically is why I said I don't want PlayStation to go on and buy additional studios. <clears throat> so I, I don't think that's a good thing. I, our, I think our conversation was focused on the fact that, well, it's happening. Yeah. So if it's happening, like, what do you do then in that situation? Uh, but I acknowledge exactly what they're saying. It's like, yeah, I, I am not a fan of it. I was not a fan of when Disney bought Fox. I, you know, I, I think there is a small difference between buying a large publisher, buying a small developer who maybe was struggling. Like we think about that all the time with like Double Fine, I think is a great example of Double Fine. If you, especially if you watched, um, since they have so much information um, with the, the um, documentary series that was done about like, um, Oh shoot! The game that they kickstarted. Why am I blanking on it? I can picture the cover. Um. Anyway, doesn't Ooh. matter. But uh, double fine, broken age. Oh, no, broken age. Bro- yeah, broken age no. two. Mm. No, that no, they kickstarted. There was there was a Kickstarter game, and they did a documentary that followed the development of it. Um. Really? What? Yeah, and it's a really really good documentary. Um. Oh, this is gonna bother me so bad. 
Um, it's not the indie game, the movie deck, right? No, it's not. Um, it's from Two Player Productions is the name of the, the documentary team that followed them. And it's like a 10-hour documentary about the making of that adventure game that they kickstarted. Why can't I? Uh, oh, it didn't come up when I searched for it. Uh, Broken Age, yeah. Is it Broken Age? Is that the name? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, anyway, the um oh yeah, it is Broken Age. Okay, sorry. But anyway, um you see in that documentary how hard it is for them to get funding. Like they are constantly like having to go out and ask for money and ask for money and ask for money. Uh and that was like a big part of Tim Schafer's job was just doing that. So for a studio like Double Fine to get purchased by Microsoft for them, I'm sure it's a sense of like, we can actually just make games now like we wanted to. Like, we can just go ahead and do that thing. Yeah. But when you're a publisher of games, when you're the one who's making the money, when publishers buy publishers, especially that's when I get concerned. Um, so I, I think there's a delicate balance there. And I don't think it's like one thing is always universally good or one thing is always universally bad. Yeah. But I do, th- I am worried about the consolidation of the industry. I do hope that, or I suspect that we will continue to see um, additional studios spinning out now of people who are being purchased, going out on their own and doing their own thing. Yeah. Excuse me. I do hope that that continues to happen. We've been seeing that happen. Granted, a lot of those are getting funded by these major, you know, yeah. publishers anyway. So, it, it, but yeah, I, I, I guess I apologize if it felt like that wasn't something we were concerned about. Apologize. For, <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's a valid point to be brought yeah, up and sure. I clearly did not, you know, preface our conversation in a way that made it show that like no we, i i do feel exactly yeah. like they said but that's just not the conversation we were having and i think that's the tough part right like it's gonna happen so like we can talk about why this is bad for the industry but there's only so much that that jet like that's only so there's only so much right. you can do there so right. let's say okay well this is happening so now what how do you make the best of that situation then moving forward so what yeah, was your so, response? Well, so I replied, I said, I think you're right. Um, and maybe we're just already accepting that it will ultimately be Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft who own everything. Um, but I feel like they kind of already do or on that trajectory. Uh, I, wrote, I, love, I love smaller independent games because they have more freedom to create what they want. But I also think in the past five years or so, Xbox has been allowing these studios to do that under the Microsoft umbrella. Games like Psychonauts 2 and The Gonk, etc., Games given more money and are not told to cut costs or staff. But yeah, I do honestly think long-term it's not a great outcome, but I also think, uh, quote, what can we really do about it, unquote. So uh, he replied, I think Microsoft's strategy of supporting smaller stuff and not stifling the smaller studios under their wing only helps them when they want to buy another studio. These small companies are just doing the best uh, thing for themselves, and I don't blame them for deciding to sell. I just don't want to sound like I'm picking on just Microsoft. Sony would do the same thing and are also to blame. I think what we need to do about it is tell our representatives that they should enforce antitrust law. But I think uh, that is if I thought we lived in a democratic system. So I guess overthrow the government, LOL. And I said, uh, we can't even get them to get their stuff together on COVID. Let's ask them to fix video games too. Uh, but I yeah. agree with everything he said too. I I, uh, I think that we're just kind of in the situation where, uh, like you said, we kind of just need to address the elephant in the room at the time. And it's not, I don't think that we're intentionally excluding 
any other bigger conversations or smaller conversations to that degree. Because if we had a conversation based off of, do we think, how bad do we think this is for the gaming industry? I think that would have been a different conversation. We would have talked about a bunch of different things. Um, But really, we were just talking about the implications of Xbox buying Activision Blizzard and what that kind of means, really, for Xbox and the consumers. Yeah. I think we did talk a little bit about Sony, but not it wasn't really driven towards Sony. Yeah. And and I do think that there is a lot of Microsoft has a good, lot of goodwill right now. A lot of people, uh, especially in the gaming industry, feel that the the folks in charge of Xbox gaming are doing right by the places that they're picking up and like the studios that they're purchasing um, and that, you know, they are doing good things there. Now, it's important to note that, you know, uh, you know, obviously the Activision Blizzard stuff hasn't gone through yet, but, you know, Raven put for asked activision blizzard to recognize their union and they said no you know I almost like that about that too <laughs> yeah like and they said no and it'll be really interesting to see like what is that how does that happen once um they're under microsoft's belt and if they try to do that again what does yeah. microsoft say you know when it comes to that uh the fact you know it came out the other day too that you know like 343 like over half of their employees were contract workers you know that that's the bulk of the people who were building halo infinite were people who we're just on contract. They're not yeah. full-time employees of the studio. And, you know, how does that look and how does that, you know, impact the development and the, and the, and the experience of those workers, like in those environments. So yeah, there's a lot of conversations to be had about this. And I don't, I don't think it's anything that's going to stop anytime soon. Um, my big worry for this is yes, I know that everyone feels really great about Phil Spencer right now. And that's great. I'm not saying he's not doing a good job and that he isn't treating people well. What happens in seven years when he leaves? Right. Yeah. And you could. Then yeah. what? Yep. Right. And that's like, like that for yeah, everyone maybe, too. Yeah. You know, and that's like the big thing of like, yeah, things are great right now. Okay. But what happens when they're not great and all the power is so consolidated, right? It's really yeah. easy to overlook it when it's going the way you want it to. But you have to think about, well, what what happens when it isn't, you know, and how are things going to be then? So we have to hope he's as good of a leader as he, as he appears and that he's actually, uh, teaching someone to be a good leader also before he leaves and not just being like, okay, retire. I don't know who's behind me, but give him the job. (laughs) Well, and to be clear though, and then it still benefits their business to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, like if it's stuck, like people are like, well, Xbox isn't worried about making someone you're right. They aren't as worried about making money as like maybe other people are right now, but that's it's going to stay that way forever. Yeah, they still you need know? to make money regardless they of if they're worried about money. it or not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right. So let's move on here and start moving towards wrapping the show up. So we're going to give you our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we are currently into that is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Hey, a new show. It started on Apple TV Plus on Friday. It's called After Party. It stars one of my favorite actors, Ben Schwartz, and a bunch of other great actors. Uh, it is... I don't know how to describe it. It's like... Uh, it's unique, okay? So it is... I don't know how many episodes. I think the first three are out. And it takes place... Uh, based off of a high school reunion where one of the people who goes to the reunion is a super rich mega celebrity played by Dave Franco. And uh, I guess it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailers, but (laughs) Dave Franco dies. Ah! Uh, And that is how the show like kind of 
starts and uh um Tiffany Haddish plays a detective who is charged to like to like it's kind of has a little bit of knives out feeling to it but like meets like Seth Rogen's this is the end um but what happens is you have like an overall story but she comes in and she has a room full of suspects and she does the whole one-on-one interviews so the show is played off each episode is a different character telling you their story. Um, but each episode is thematically different. Like there might be a musical episode. There might be a film noir episode. I don't know if there are, I'm just using these as examples. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's played off differently. So you get different people's stories while still getting more of the story as it progresses as well. So it's not just a constant repeat of story, um, but it's very funny. It's quirky. It's original-ish, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. So I would say check out After Party on Apple TV Plus if you have it. Awesome. Uh, my recommendation is a sh- another show that I am only partly into. Uh, I think season two is currently going on right now or just finished. I'm only in season one, uh, but it's on HBO Max, uh, and that is The Righteous Gemstones. Mm. Um, here, Here's the quote-unquote little... Uh, synopsis of what the show is about follows a world famous televangelist family with a long tradition of deviance, greed, and charitable work. <laughs> and that's very much what the show is about is like some not so great things, but also some good things, uh, with a good amount of comedy thrown in there. This is kind of like a cutthroat, still, like if you took like the show Succession and made it a little sillier and about a televangelist family, that's kind of like what this is about. Um, so it has. Uh, John Goodman is in it. Danny McBride is in it. Uh, and Adam Devine, you know, got to represent Iowa a little bit here, um, <laughs> is in the show. It's, it is pretty good. I, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it. Uh, but so far, uh, I'm having a good time with it. I think it just got renewed for new, another season. Um, so if you're looking for something that's maybe a little, a little out there, but still a, a good sit, uh, the righteous gemstones on HBO max, pretty good time. Nice. So with that, Josh, what do you say? We wrap up the show. Let's. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So please feel free to use the hashtag as well on all your social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that hard-to-find, always-wanted stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, you can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, and Steam at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Oh, and Twitch. Uh, Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, BoardGameGeek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.